Okay, so I am going to read today's scripture. Please excuse my voice. I'm just getting over a two-week battle with pneumonia. So, all right. Um, if we can turn to John 16, we're going to be reading 5 through 15. I hear the pages stop flipping. Start reading. All right. All right. But now I'm going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away... The advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he'll prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me about righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear now, than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of Truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Thanks, Donovan. You did it. Good job. Yeah, I suppose I should say something about uh, the Wiffle Ball Tournament. Right, Tim, since you said I would. Um, it was yesterday, it was a great day, it was a hot day, and um, it was uh, won by the team from Tower Sedan, Nick Levins is the coach of that team, and so they won a close game in the championship by two points. Um, there were a lot of home runs, but I can say the oldest person who hit a home run yesterday was Gary Beatty. And he was on my team. And I also have another thing to say to my team, those of you who are here. You were the oldest team, and you're pretty much the only team that showed up this morning. So that says something about you. Oldest team, and yet you're able to get up and walk and, and get here. So, uh, so thank you to my team. All right? Because I see a number of you guys. And we're all walking, maybe with a limp, but uh, we're doing okay. All right, let's uh, have a word of prayer, and then we're going to continue our study on the Holy Spirit. Our Father, we give you thanks for this morning. Lord, it's been good to worship you. Uh, we look forward to this time when we can just join our voices and, and sing these expressions of thanks and, and love and adoration uh, to you. Father, guide us now as we look again at your word at some of these things that uh, Jesus said about your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your Spirit who lives in us, we who belong to you. Father, uh, I pray that you would also speak.
to the hearts of those who walked into the doors today and, and they really don't know you. They really don't have that relationship with you. And yet, Lord, you brought them here today. Father, uh, help them to hear and see truth about your Holy Spirit that can impact their lives so that they might sing these songs of love and thanks and praise that we've been singing. That's our desire, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you have uh, watched The Fiddler on the Roof, either uh, in movie form or on stage, you're familiar with a lot of the songs in that uh, show. Uh, one of them is Matchmaker, right? And I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the words to the song, just a few of the words. And I bet you anything, some of you, if not out loud, are going to be singing under your breath the the tune that goes along with it because. Uh, it's pretty hard not to do that. But the song goes this way. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Find me a find. Catch me a catch. Night after night, in the dark, I'm alone. So make me a match. Here's a question. Has anyone here in the past or in the present had a matchmaker in their life at least someone who's tried to be a matchmaker. Raise your hand. If you've had someone in your life. Okay. Some of you may be thankful for that matchmaker. Right? How many here had a matchmaker in your life and the person they introduced to you or encouraged you to consider has ended up being your lifelong partner? So sometimes we're really thankful for matchmakers, aren't we? Sometimes we wish they would just let it go. But sometimes it works. Right, Scott? Sometimes it works. Right? Squeeze his hand there. J.I. Packer, in um, one of his books on theology, when he's talking about the Holy Spirit, actually refers to the Holy Spirit as what he calls the divine matchmaker. The divine matchmaker. Because as he continues to write, he says it seems very clear, and we're going to see that this morning, that in Scripture, the Holy Spirit is presented as the one who moves us toward uniting with Jesus. That it's the Holy Spirit who does a work of drawing people to a relationship, a forever relationship with Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, J.I. Packer says he is the divine matchmaker. And so we're going to look at that today. We have been talking about the Holy Spirit, and in the last two weeks, we focused on the Holy Spirit's work in the life of Christians, of believers, And we've talked about how he produces fruit, certain godly qualities in our lives as Christians. And last week we talked about the different needs that we have that the Holy Spirit in us can meet as Christians. Today we're going to back up a bit and we're going to talk about the time when we were not followers of Christ. We're going to talk about pre-salvation and we're going to 
reflect on what the Holy Spirit's work is at that time. What is the salvation work of the Holy Spirit? What role does he play in the lives of those who do not know Jesus? What role does he play in salvation? And so that's what we're going to look at. And we'll start in John chapter 16 where Donovan was reading. So if your uh, Bibles are there, have chapter 16. We're especially going to look at verses 8 through 11. Verse 8 says, when he comes, referring to the counselor, the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised to send. Remember, promise made, promise kept. Verse 8 says, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So notice the Holy Spirit is going to be doing the work of convincing or convicting. The word convict means to convince. It means to... um, persuade. It means to move someone to a certain point, to convict, to convince. And Jesus says the Holy Spirit will do that work and notice it will be with the world. He will convict the world. So we're talking about those who don't know Jesus. And Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is going to convince the world of their guilt. And he's going to convince the world in three areas. In regard to sin, in regard to righteousness, and in regard to judgment. So let's talk about that because that's a very important role that the Holy Spirit plays in salvation. Before salvation even occurs, the Holy Spirit is at work. First of all, he's at work to convince and convict people of their sin, to lead them to a place where they will acknowledge that they indeed are sinners, because that's what the Bible teaches, right? If you go to the book of Romans, that is very clearly stated in chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Starting in verse 9, Paul says, What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. For it is written, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And then in verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we could go to chapter 5, verse 12, where uh, Paul takes us back to the garden to again present this conclusion that all are sinners. All have sinned. All have transgressed. All have stepped over God's line, his standards, his holy standards. And all have stepped over that line. All are sinners. All have sinned. And part of the work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, will be to convict the world, to convince the world that that is true. And that becomes very important. 
in the steps to salvation, convincing the world that they are sinners. And he says this will take place, verse 9, because men do not believe in me. The Spirit will convince the world of sin because they don't believe in me. They don't believe what Jesus says. They don't believe that they're sinners. There are those who don't believe they're sinners just out of ignorance. They've never even heard this message. There are those who don't believe that they're sinners because they just resist that idea. And in our day and age, there is this thought out there that we're all good. You know, we're all good people. That um, you shouldn't call anybody a sinner uh, because it makes them feel bad. And so the Holy Spirit does a work to try to break through that. He, he's trying to break through that message. And to convince people, no, you are a sinner. You have stepped over God's line. You are a sinner. He also says that the Holy Spirit convinces the world of judgment. Convinces the world of judgment. Works to convince them they are sinners to acknowledge that truth. But then also that there is judgment. Verse 11. He convinces them in regard to judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. What Jesus is saying is that the prince of this world, Satan, is already condemned. So it follows that his people would be judged, would be condemned, if he already is condemned. And so the Holy Spirit works to convince people they're sinners, but also that the consequence of their sin is judgment, that there is a consequence for being a sinner, and it's judgment. Here in Romans, again, if you're still there, chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. There are wages. There are consequences. There's a penalty for sin. It's death. It's, it's judgment. In John chapter Three, back when Jesus was having this conversation with, with Nicodemus, in verse 18, Jesus says, Whoever believes in the Son that God sent does not believe. He stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Verse 36, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life for God's wrath remains on him. And again, in our day and age, the Holy Spirit has a job ahead of him. Because no one wants to talk about the idea of judgment. No one thinks a loving God would ever do that kind of thing to anyone. No matter how sinful they are. And so the Holy Spirit's work is not only to convince people that they are sinners, that they've stepped over God's line of standards, but he then must convince them that there are consequences, that there are eternal consequences, and it's called judgment. That a loving God, who is also holy, will make sure there are consequences for those who sin 
and don't acknowledge their sin. And so, again, I was just thinking this week that in our day and age, the Holy Spirit really has a job ahead of him. First of all, to convince people they're sinners, but then to convince them there is judgment for sin. There is judgment eternally. But there's a third thing Jesus says the Holy Spirit works to convince the world of, and that is the alternative. He says he will convince the world of righteousness. He'll convince the world of righteousness. And we see that there in verse 10. In regard to righteousness, he'll convince the world in regard to righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. Isn't that interesting? Jesus says the Holy Spirit will do a work of convincing people of righteousness. He'll convince them of their sin, convince them of judgment for sin, but he will also convince them there is an alternative. There is righteousness. There is a way you can be right with God. You can escape that judgment. And the Holy Spirit works to convince people there is an alternative, and it's righteousness. And back in Romans chapter 3, Paul talks about that. After he's uh, pretty much indicted everyone for being a sinner, in verse 23 of Romans 3, in verse 24, after saying all have sinned and fall short, he says, They are justified freely by his grace through redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Verse 22, the righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5, at the end of the chapter, Paul talks about how Jesus became sin on the cross so that we might become righteous. We might become the righteousness of God. All have sinned. There's judgment for sin, but there is an alternative. You can be right with God. You can be forgiven. You can be rescued from judgment. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says. He will come and he will convince the world of those three things. That we are sinners. And there's a penalty for sin. It's judgment. But there is an alternative. It's righteousness. And because Jesus has left, and he's no longer here as the prime model of righteousness, giving the message of righteousness, the Holy Spirit now does that work in Jesus' place to show that there is righteousness in Christ. That's a really important part of the work that leads to salvation, isn't it? Because if you don't find yourself convinced you're a sinner, why would you think you need a Savior? There's no way you would think you need a Savior if you don't think you're a sinner. You believe you need help, you need a Savior, if you come to the place where you acknowledge, yes, I'm a sinner, I fall short, I step over the line all the time. Then you start thinking, I need help. And especially if you become convinced you're not only a sinner, but you believe this teaching that there is judgment, that there is a payment consequence, then you begin thinking, I need help. And the help I need is from God. 
I need Jesus. I need a Savior. So that makes the Holy Spirit's work in salvation crucial. He is the one who moves us toward salvation. And if we come to that place where we are convinced, the Spirit of God has convinced us of our sin, convinced us there is a penalty to pay for it, but also convinced us there is an alternative. It's Jesus. I can be forgiven. I can be rescued from judgment. And I confess that sin. I repent of that sin. I turn to Jesus. The Holy Spirit works in that salvation. Here are two works. The first one is that he works in regenerating and renewing that person who comes to Christ for salvation. We see that in Titus. Book of Titus, chapter 3. Titus, chapter 3. So the Spirit of God has convinced a person that they're a sinner, convince the person that there is judgment because of that sin, convince the person, though, that there is help, it's Jesus, move them to Jesus. That person has repented of sin, come to Jesus through faith. Then the Holy Spirit does what we see here in Titus 3, verse 4. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So in salvation, along with the convincing, the convicting to move us to Jesus, when we come to Jesus, Paul says the Holy Spirit does the work of regenerating and renewing. What does that mean? To regenerate means to give new life. So the Holy Spirit is the one who gives you new life. You were dead in sin, Paul says. But when you come to Christ, it's the Spirit who gives you new life, regenerates you. That's why Jesus could say, you must be born again in John 3. You must have new life. You must be born again. And what's the phrase Jesus uses in that text? Born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. It's the Spirit who works to give us that new life and renew us to make us a new person. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new person, a new creation. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation. He is the one who gives us that new life in Christ. He is the one who makes us a new person who renews us. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. There's a third work pertaining to salvation that the Holy Spirit does. And we find this in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. And it's right at the beginning. In fact, uh, when Peter starts this letter... He actually talks about roles that all three persons of the Trinity play in salvation. And so he says he's um, writing to God's elect who are scattered around the world, and he lists the places they are. And then verse 2, he's referring to these 
Christians. He says, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. And there we have indication of roles that each of the three persons of the Godhead play in salvation. The one mentioned here for God the Father is what? He's the one that makes the choice. He's the one that chooses. Okay? Jesus is the one who shed his blood. We are cleansed by his blood. He did the work that provided salvation, forgiveness. But it says in salvation here, there's the sanctifying work of the Spirit. The Spirit of God in salvation is the one who sanctifies and sets us apart. That's what the word sanctify means, to set apart for God. And that's a role that the Holy Spirit plays when we come to salvation. He's the one that sets us apart for God. Uh, Paul describes it better in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. Here's the sanctifying, setting apart for God work that the Holy Spirit plays when we come to salvation. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. We were all, he's talking to the believers, we were all put into one body by whom? The spirit. You see, that's the setting apart for God. When we come to salvation, the Holy Spirit gives us new life, makes us a new person, and then he is the one who puts us into the body of Christ. He takes us and sets us apart for God. We now belong to him. We are part of his body where he is the head, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And so you have three roles that the Holy Spirit plays in salvation. He is the one who works with the unbeliever to convince people they're sinners, there is judgment for sin, there's a penalty, but that there is an alternative, there is righteousness. There, you can be right with God. And he is the one who moves people to that place. And once we trust Christ for salvation, acknowledging we're sinners and need Christ and seek his forgiveness, then he is the one <clears throat> who gives us a new life and the one who makes us new people. And he is the one who then takes us and sets us apart into the body of Christ, belonging to God. <clears throat> Those are the works of the Holy Spirit. In salvation. Now I want you to notice something, because I told you we're always going to come back to it because it's the theme of our study on the Holy Spirit. So take a look at what comes next on your study sheet. As you look at this, let's look at what the matchmaker is doing here. All right? First of all, the Holy Spirit moves us towards salvation in Christ. Salvation is in Christ. It's through his work uh, on the cross and his resurrection. Um, there's only one way to salvation. And so the Spirit of God 
works to move us toward that relationship. Remember, he's the matchmaker. He's trying to move people who aren't in a relationship with Christ to that relationship. And so he does that through the convincing and convicting ministry in our lives. Secondly, the Holy Spirit gives us new life in Christ. When we respond to that convincing, convicting uh, ministry of the Spirit, and we trust Christ for salvation, it's the Spirit then who will uh, do His work to give us that new life. He regenerates us. He makes us new people. We're born of the Spirit. And then He places us into the body of Christ. He is the one who sanctifies the new believer, who sets apart the new believer for God, places that person in the body of Christ. Now, if you kept up with that, you'll notice something in the three lines that you filled out. Right? In his work concerning salvation, the Holy Spirit, through convincing and convicting, moves us towards salvation in Christ. That's where it's found. The Holy Spirit then, when we come to Christ, gives us new life in Christ. That's where the new life is. It's in our relationship with Christ. And the Holy Spirit then places us into the body of Christ. It's his body. It's not the Holy Spirit's body. It's the body of Christ where he is the head. Do you notice that in every one of these three works of the Holy Spirit, it eventually ends up being about Jesus? Convincing, convicting us so that we will come to Jesus to be right with God. When we come to Jesus, giving us new life in Christ, making us a new person in Christ, and then placing us in the body of Christ. What is the theme that we're focusing on in this series? The Holy Spirit sent to glorify Jesus. Jesus said he would come to glorify me, not him. The Holy Spirit's work is not about glorifying the Holy Spirit. It's about glorifying Jesus. That's what Jesus said. And even in his work concerning salvation, it's all about Jesus. Moving people to realize they need Jesus. To find their salvation in Jesus. Giving people new life. Making them new persons in Christ Jesus. And taking those new believers and placing them in the body of Christ, where he is the head. The Holy Spirit, even in his work concerning salvation, is focused on the glory going to Jesus. That's his purpose. And even in salvation, his role is to follow that purpose. So two questions. To my Christian brothers and sisters here, and this is always a good exercise to do. Do you remember this salvation work of the Holy Spirit in your life? As you think back to that time when it was that you came to salvation, as you look back, can you see those three works of the Holy Spirit? 
Do you remember when you became convinced of your sinfulness? Where you came to the place where you acknowledged what God says to be true, that you're a sinner, that you fall short of His glory, you you keep stepping over that line of His standards. Do you remember that time? That was the Holy Spirit that brought you to that. He's the one that convinced you. How did He do it? Uh, For some of us, He used people. Maybe it was a teacher, a preacher, a friend, but he used people. But it was the Spirit of God working through that person to help you see that you're a sinner and that there's judgment and that Jesus is the answer. Or maybe it was a situation, some circumstance. A lot of times it's a tough one, but some circumstance or situation caused you to Come to the place of saying, yes, I'm a sinner. There's a penalty. I need Jesus. Maybe it was some scripture. Maybe God didn't use people, didn't use the situation. But you were just in God's word. And the Holy Spirit used the truth of scripture to convince you that you were a sinner. And there was a penalty for that. And that Jesus was the answer. However it happened, it was the Holy Spirit. That's his work. To move us, convince us, convict us, persuade us that we indeed are sinners. And there's judgment and we need Jesus. Do you remember how the Spirit did that in your life? As you look back, do you remember when you responded to that and you acknowledged your sin and asked for forgiveness and surrendered your life to Christ? Do you remember the experience of feeling new? A feeling like all of a sudden you have life that you didn't have before? The deadness was gone? You were, the big word, regenerated? That was the work of the Holy Spirit. He gave you new life because you trusted in Jesus. And He made you a new person. You remember things starting to happen in your life that no other explanation... That's the Holy Spirit making you a new person after you've come to salvation. And then do you remember all of a sudden you had this new connection with people who were also Christians, also followers of Christ that you didn't have before? They were just people and sometimes weird people. But you remember when you came to Christ after the Spirit's work of conviction and The Spirit gave you this new life, made you a new person. All of a sudden, other Christians became so important in your life. It's because the Spirit of God in salvation had taken you and sanctified you, set you apart for God, put you in the body of Christ. And those people now became kindred spirits. They became your brothers and your sisters. You remember that time? Those were the works of the Holy Spirit. That's what He was doing. Now, the Father played a role, a big role. Jesus played a huge role, a big role. But the Holy Spirit was also working. He's the one that drew you, that convinced you, that convicted you, brought you to salvation. He's the one that gave you new life and made you new. And He's the one that put you in the body of Christ. 
That was the Holy Spirit's work. And you need to reflect on that often and remember that and thank God the Spirit for the work that he did. If you can't look back on that work of the Holy Spirit in your life because you don't belong to Christ, then my question is, do you think that it's possible this work of the Holy Spirit is going on right now in your life and maybe has been for a while? You just needed somebody to put words to it. Could it be that for the last year something's been going on in your life and now you might find yourself thinking maybe that's what he's talking about. Something's been going on. Maybe maybe it's the Spirit of God moving me toward this, this salvation thing. Maybe it's the Spirit of God because I've been starting to think about my life. I've been starting to think about what's going on in my life, the life I'm living. And I'm starting to think about this stuff that those Christians talk about. And now that you put it in words, maybe that's what's been happening to me in the last year, maybe in the last months, maybe in the last weeks, maybe in the last 25 minutes. But something's happening. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit doing his work of convincing and convicting you to move you into this relationship with Jesus, to be your divine matchmaker, moving you to have this forever relationship with Jesus. Maybe that's what's happening. And so the question is, how will you respond to that? There's probably no other explanation what's happening. But it's the Spirit of God moving you to this relationship with Jesus. But it starts with Him convincing you you're a sinner. And there's a penalty to pay. But there is an alternative, and it's Jesus. You can be right with God through Jesus by coming to him. And then you can have new life, become a new person, and be placed into a family, into a body. And it's all the work of the Holy Spirit. So let's bow for prayer. And before I pray, I'm just going to give you time, those of you who can relate to this work of the Holy Spirit, because it happened in your life and you're thankful, express that thanks to God right now. Thank Him for His Holy Spirit that convinced you and moved you to salvation. Thank God that His Spirit has made you new and given you new life. Thank God that you're in the body of Christ, that you are brothers and sisters, and it was the Spirit who put you into that body. Thank Him. And in the quietness, if if you do not know Jesus, if you cannot relate to this work of the Holy Spirit in the past, if you are not a follower of Christ, could you perhaps today take this window of opportunity that's been open for you? Could you take this opportunity and say, I now know what's been going on in my heart. It's been the Spirit of God moving me. 
I know now that he has been moving me to acknowledge my sin and seek God's forgiveness. And if that's you, would you just, in your own words, in the quietness, let God know that you are a sinner. You need his forgiveness. Thank him that Jesus provided that forgiveness. And ask him to come into your life to forgive you, to make you a new person, to give you life, a life you've never had before. And that his spirit would put you into that body of Christ where you will belong forever. In your own words, acknowledge your sin, seek forgiveness, surrender your life to Jesus. Father, I thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the work he does to convince and convict the world, the people of the world. Lord, it's a big job today. There are so many voices who are saying just the opposite of what your spirit wants to tell us. But, Father, thank you that your spirit is the same power that raised Jesus, the same power that has been shown throughout history. And that your spirit has the power to break through the messages of this, this world. And that he has the power to convince people right here this morning that they are sinners. They need your forgiveness. They need you to rescue them from judgment. They need Jesus in their life. I pray that they will respond today. That they have to the divine matchmaker. And Father, change them. Give them that new life. May your spirit renew them. Put them in your family. Put them in your body. May the spirit take them and and move them into that body of Christ. Father, thank you for spirit. Thank you for the work that he does in salvation. In Christ's name, amen.